Welcome back to the Far Out Podcast. My name is Todd Perry. With me is the great Jason Daniels. What's going on, Todd? And who he is? Well, we'll get to that in a moment. It's not as important as what I'm going to get to right now. It's been a minute since we did this show, and I thank everybody who hung around and decided to uh, stay subscribed on uh, iTunes. And uh, if any of your friends were big listeners, let them know. Post on uh, any message board that you like that, hey, Far Out's back. Uh, Todd Perry's back doing his thing. Uh, Announcer Elliot will be uh, working on the show tangentially and well in this new incarnation. Uh, He's just getting over a health issue. So, uh, you know, I've been doing the What's This Dow All About podcast, which has been, like, wildly successful. Like, not not to brag, but it ends up being, like, the most successful four-way, four-way into podcasting. Uh, I've, I've ever done and so for people who are like oh Todd's not doing it anymore no it's been happening I just haven't been any, making any jokey stuff it's just been really you know self-important talk about spirituality so the reason why I thought it would be great to get back doing this show A because I love it uh, B because I had uh, what I would refer to as a supernatural experience en- enlighten us I, I've not had one of those so please enlighten me what is a true supernatural experience well no so i'm looking at you right now and you have a big tall boy of miller light and you could have some experiences drinking a big tall boy of miller light but never what i would call a supernatural experience okay you have it you may be a supernatural light experience okay which usually involves some kind of a boat uh, a girl in uh, daisy dukes yeah i mean that's about spot on and uh puking in a uh, in a uh, construction urinal but <laughs> so uh, as, as anybody knows, I, I got a kid. So morning routine is my son, you know, I, I get him up in the morning and he sits and he watches a show. He watches Scooby-Doo. He has a, his, his milk and he sits and relaxes. And, and, and I sit in the bed for a little bit. And, I, you know, I look at Twitter. I see what's going on with the day. I sit and I figure out, you know, I, I uh, send a message to my buddy Mark Chambers, who's living in uh, London. We have this weird timing thing where when he's going to bed... You know, at, at night, it's 5 o'clock my time. So we have these weird gaps. So I wake up in the morning, there's messages that he sent to me drunkenly throughout the night. And so, you know, I usually just respond to that. So kid's in the other room, and he just yells, Dad! And then I come out, and I give him whatever he needs. And, you know, you want him to eat. Okay, here's a piece of fruit. You know, here's some Cheerios. You know, so he's doing that, and I'm sitting in the room, and then I hear, Dad! What does he want now? I mean, I already gave him a banana. Blah, blah, blah. So I'm walking out through my house, and I'm walking from my bedroom over to the TV room, the den. And as I'm walking, I'm in flip-flops, and I'm in my, um, my chonies. Okay. No shirt. This, this is not a mental picture I want right now, but please continue. You know, I've, I've kept my, myself together pretty much for being a 43-year-old man. You know, and so I'm walking, and as I get towards my son, who is screaming my name, I just, boom, boom, I fall on my ass. And it's not like I fall on my ass like woo 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 woo. I fall on my ass. It's like I stepped in snow, uh, wearing sneakers that were that had no tread on them. I just whoop, boom on my ass, and I'm like, okay, ouch. And I look around I'm like, why did I fall? 
Like, have I been drinking too much? Did I have some kind of a neurological problem? Have I screwed myself that bad through a long time of not eating well, drinking too much, not getting enough sleep, listening to too much rock and roll, doing the mashed potato, whatever. So I fall on my ass, and then I look to the ground, and I swear to God, I see a banana peel beneath me. Like, like this is a 1930s, you know, uh, Comedy, like a Three Stooges or something. Like I literally slept, slipped on a banana peel in my living room. And I looked on the ground and I saw the banana peel. Not only did I step on it perfectly, not seeing it, but it was slippery side, moist side, the sexy side. <laughs> okay. The part we all enjoyed is 14-year-old side of the banana. Was that side down? And I slipped and I fell right on my bony white ass. Like- and I was like, this has to be a sign. You know what? That that sounds like the worst Wiley e. Coyote cartoon I have ever seen in my yes. life. There's, if you would have told me that, I've known you for a while. Yeah. Uh, so I, I believe everything that comes out of your mouth because I'm stupid like that. Uh-huh. But if you were somebody were to tell me that I slipped on a banana peel, I'd go, okay, like this is like slapstick, almost like Laurel and Hardy, old school, just clowning around. But you legit slipped on a banana peel and fell on your ass. I'm the only person since the uh, Roosevelt administration that has slipped on a banana peel. Like, I slipped on because what happened was my son, I gave him a banana earlier. And then so he was just peeling it off. And, you know, as little kids do, they don't you know, throw it on the trash or whatever. My kid just litter bugged it on the ground. Don't mess with Texas, Declan. No, he just threw it on the ground. So I slipped on my butt and I said, this is, you know, you know I, I, I'm not a religious man. But I do believe it was a sign that maybe I need to get back to making the funny. I feel like if there is a God or maybe it was Satan, you whatever. Don't, you don't know. Maybe it was Satan I met at the crossroads. He put this banana peel down and say, Todd, it's time to get back and make the funny for the people. Either that or your son just hates you. That's true. He was trying to take me out. Your son is at that age now where he, he knows a little bit of right and wrong, mm-hmm. and he knows how to push your buttons and how to get away with stuff. So maybe that's just your son being like, all right, Dad, game on now. It could be that, or it could be some kind of Oedipal thing, <laughs> where he's trying to get at my wife. And just misfired. It, it, no, no, he was trying to kill me so he could have my wife all to himself. Oh, that's how, you know, you Oedipus, I got you now, okay. I don't know. Uh, it's a possibility. You're, you're, you guys are a little smart guy, man, so maybe he's got this world probably figured out way better than you or I do. Yeah, he might have a little bit of Macaulay Culkin in him. Like, he was <laughs> trying to home alone my ass, like you thought I was Joe Pesci. Well, now I know to get him some micro machines for his birthday, so. Okay, yes. So that's what happened, and I fell on my ass, and I said, you know what, I think this is a sign to make some comedy. If anybody out there is friends with me on Facebook, you'll see I posted this, the picture of the banana peel. Maybe I'll make that the, uh, the photo for this episode so you can see actual proof. So that inspired me to get back into the show, and uh, as everybody knows, Buck, who was a longtime co-host, is still missing in action. So I searched the world for the greatest person to come back and do the great far-out comeback with me. And somebody I know that I could uh, trust to do a great show. And somebody with actually more experience on the radio waves than me. Which is, which is not, not saying much. But Jason, you spent a lot of time on the radio. So that's why you're here doing Far Out. As, as I have here in your uh, after a... <laughs> There's one thing that's sag about me, and I'm the same age as you, so I'll let the listeners figure out what I'm referring to. Yes, the, the after IMDB from a Don Barrett. <laughs> <laughs> says, Jason, you for a long time, you were a country DJ. I worked at a station, 94.3 Kick FM, Southern California's country station. So you did that, and uh, also you hosted a radio show with... 
the infamous Hollywood madam, Miss Heidi Fleiss, which was awesome. Um, she was the most ill-prepared human being I've ever met in my life. Oh, you don't say. Yeah. She showed up. Her show started at 8 p.m., would show up. No joke. They sent a car to go get her. She would show up at 7.59 and 45 seconds, walk in and go, what are we talking about tonight? Yeah. So and, you have to come. So she's the one with, like, all the good stories, right? Oh, yeah. And I think you just walk in and go, oh, let's just talk about how you fuck Charlie Sheen. <laughs> yeah. Like, and then you just take your headphones off and let her go, right? Explain to me how prostitution works. Was And then one show she brought in Ron Jeremy. <laughs> It's like, okay, this was, uh, it was definitely an interesting show. It lasted for about, I'd say like seven months. And I just, I couldn't do it anymore. She went through multiple co-hosts and I ended up being the co-host and producer. And I just couldn't take it anymore. It's like when you're doing three hours of show prep and she would just come in here and say the same things over and over and over again. Like read my book, buy my book, stay in school, kids, don't have sex. It, it just show got so mundane. We're, I just couldn't do it anymore. Did you ever see her using crystal meth? Um... For legal purposes, I cannot answer that question. Did you ever see her take any intoxicating substances? For legal purposes, I can confirm that. Okay. So here's the thing. I just 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 to show the skills of, of Jason. Now he does not know what I'm gonna play. Yeah. But I feel like how's this? I, I want you to just start off like you're coming out of a boot barn ad, okay? So just give me, you know, the last fifteen seconds of a boot barn live read, and I'm gonna bring <laughs> you into the first song on the play stop. And uh, let, let's see. Let's see if you could do it here. Hey, hang out with us this Saturday, the Boot Barn in Tustin. Bring in your old stinky boots, and we will replace them. We'll give you 100 bucks off. Come on down to Boot Barn. We're America's redneck shop. And here is the legend himself, Mr. Charlie Daniels. Words I live by. What this world needs is a few more rednecks. What this world needs is a few more rednecks. We got close, man. It's been a while. It's been a while. So people in You told me nothing about this. You didn't give me any inkling of what songs you're going to play. When I worked in radio, I worked in the production studio, so I knew exactly how long the intro ties were to each song. So this is like redneck roulette right here. That's a, that's a new, new bit. Redneck roulette. Actually, with a shotgun. Like, we do it. You have to hit the post, and then if you miss the post, we're going to double-barreled shotgun. No, double-barreled shotgun, but with just one plug in it. Oh no! But you, then you get both. <laughs> yeah, you would still. Okay, we'd have to go with a, with an actual with the, with a six six shooter here. Yeah. All right, here we go. Song number two. Here's Mr. Chicken himself, Mr. Kenny Rogers, and the Roasters. On a warm summer's evening, <laughs> on a train. Uh, so uh, maybe I maybe I picked some songs that are a little obvious. Yeah, um, you can't go wrong with Charlie Daniels. Cool story, quick story about Charlie Daniels. Got to introduce him at a show in Irvine years ago. And one of our listeners would call up every single night at midnight, can you play Charlie Daniels? Kid was in high school, and he needed to hear The Devil Went Down to Georgia before he went to bed. Every single night. I'm like, I cannot play that the first song every night right at midnight. He's like, dude, I can't go to bed. So I don't feel, want to feel responsible for this kid failing out of high school because he didn't get any sleep waiting for his song. So long story short, met Charlie Daniels, told him about this kid, Robbie, and that he wasn't old enough to get into the show because he's 21 and over. Gave me an entire bag of swag, all autographed stuff for Robbie. Said, hey, can't wait to see you at your, you know, when you get out to your first show. Love Charlie. Like, dude, CDs, hats, T-shirts, 8 by 10s an entire swag bag full of Charlie Daniels stuff. 
sent this to the kid's house, found out his address, called me up crying at like 12.01 in the morning. <laughs> and was like, oh my gosh, it's like Christmas. Thank you so much. And he wrote a letter to Charlie. Charlie responded back and they actually like, you know, exchanged some like emails back and forth for a while. It was actually really cool. Charlie Daniels, one of the greatest guys in all of country music. Okay, so now I'm going to dig a little bit deeper into the career. The great Jason Daniels. No relation to Charlie. No, unfortunately not. So, as a country DJ, you've also done another job as a DJ in this world. That I have. And I believe it was it was it at Fritz's in Anaheim? No, I actually started at, <laughs> I mean, I cannot believe I'm admitting this, but I actually worked in a place called Venus in Stanton, the great city of Stanton, which should be annexed out of Orange County. So, okay, so... You were working there uh, for quite some time as a DJ in a gentleman's club. I was, and the, the way it started was I used to go to this place on Sundays for football. It was a sports bar slash you know, gentleman's club. Sports bar in the back, gentleman's club in the front. So we would go there every Sunday to watch football because they had the NFL ticket. And so we'd sit there and watch games, and one day a couple of the girls came in, and the DJ flaked. Did not come in, did not show up for work. <laughs> who, who would know that the strip club DJ is not the most reliable? Right? I mean, he's probably working on his uh, presentation for his 9-to-5 job that started Monday. Yeah. But my friend goes, hey, my buddy's a DJ at a radio station. He can help you out. So I was like, all right. So I went to the DJ booth, DJ for about four hours. Made a good, good chunk of change, man. So it, what do they pay? Is this like the strippers pay you out? Is that... Yeah, because I technically wasn't on the payroll, uh, I got free booze for the entire time I worked nice. and the rest of the night, which I drank my body weight in. Yeah. And then on top of that, the performers tip you out, especially if they don't bring their own music. So what you do is you play songs for them. They, you know, what artists do you like? And there's a library of music there. So you can play music. You know, either they pick it out or you pick it out. So they, there would be like strippers bringing in like a huge CD. Because at this point, these, this were the days when you had the oh. car CD case. Oh, 100%. The black was, one with the zipper that looked like the size of a phone book. Yeah. And Absolutely. your CDs would melt on a hot day in it. Yeah. And they were all scratched. Looked like you wiped them down with like 80 grit sandpaper. They all had a little bit of cocaine on yeah, them. Yeah. Of course. And then some sticky stuff. I still haven't figured out what that was. And uh, so they would... You know, you'd play the music for them, and then if they had a good night, they would tip you out. And it could be 20, 40 bucks, or it could be 100 bucks. Wow. So, what did I do with that? After working a four hour shift with 600 bucks cash in my pocket that I didn't have, drove down the street to TJ's with my buddy and decided <laughs> to spend it all at another gentleman's club. You can't just, you can't just pay, put, put, a four, put on your books there and be like, you yeah, know? Yeah, so, yeah, for next time. So, they actually liked the job I did, and they asked me if I'd come down there like two nights a week and DJ, then two nights turned into four, four turned into six. And then at the time, I was working full time at the radio station and working full time at a gentleman's club and the girl I was dating at the time said pick one I think you know which one to pick but I will let you make that decision hmm. so it took me a couple of days to figure out which one she was talking yeah, about yeah had some deep con you know yeah you know I was doing a service I was oh, helping come to Jesus I was doing a service helping some ladies out making a couple bucks so hmm. I said hmm but now I, I stuck with the radio thing and did that for about 11 years man working at different stations in LA Orange County Riverside San Bernardino did some stuff with the Angels baseball team uh, so yeah I've had a pretty good had a pretty good career so let's. I want. I want you to prove real quick that you are actually a strip club DJ. <laughs> All right. All right, guys, get off your butts and tip these sluts. Got two dollar drinks all night long. Get on the top for first and two for ten bucks. She'll get on top of you. Welcome, Diamond. What Jason's going to do is, as a, um, as a white man, 
He's going to help me out with this new thing. So, we're, you know, the Far Out podcast isn't just about yucks. I'm talking about strippers. It's not just... Hold on, hold on. That's how you sold me on doing this, man. Yes. No, actually, we're going to do something here that is about trying to bridge the ethnic divide in America. Okay. Okay. So, like, th- th- there's this uh, viral Facebook post going around from the Afrocentric Films Collaborative... And they had a post that like it, it went viral because it was pretty awesome because it said uh, it asks African American people a question that both Jason and I can help them out with. I'm in. So the question was, okay, black people, ask white people one question you've always wanted to know. Right. So maybe there's I mean, there's definite stuff that like maybe in polite company, you know, one of our African-American friends may not feel comfortable like bridging that. Right. Or, you know, there might be questions we have about African-American people that we may not feel comfortable bridging. But this was a good uh, online forum where people could be honest. And there were great questions asked and great answers given. Now, I want us to answer some of the questions is is two uh, uh, white folk (laughs) <laughs> it's, it's so that we can help bridge the the racial gap, but these are these are good. And ju- just to prove how white I am. Yes, because you, you know you are very white. You live in Orange County. You drive a pickup truck, mm-hmm. and I figure if anybody and you are a former country DJ. Yeah. So if anybody has their pulse on white America, I I would be that person. It's gonna be, and I you know I think you know I know whitey. <laughs> right. I know I know all the people, but you know I'm married to a white woman. Mm-hmm. I have a white child. Very white. My family. White. So I'm saying I know white people, so I can, for all our African-American listeners, we can kind of enlighten them. So here's some of the questions. Um, The first one was, why don't y'all use washcloths? (laughs) Jason, (laughs) do you use a washcloth and why or why not? When I was a kid, I did. My dad, that was the whole thing. When you go go get ready, go take a shower, go take a bath, go grab a washcloth out of the linen closet. Yeah. I think I quit using a linen cloth or the washcloth when I was about three and a half years old and I got my ass whooped <laughs> because my dad said, hey, we're going to the grocery store. I need you to go take a shower. I said, I want to take a bath at three and a half years old. I knew what I wanted. Yeah. So I said, I'm going to go take a bath. My dad said, no, we got to go to the store. Go take a shower. So I'm in the shower. I'm pissed off. So I'm soaping up with a washcloth and then I drop it and it just goes right on top of the drain. And I'm watching the water fill up. So a genius three and a half year old says, I can make a bath out of the shower pan. Oh. So I sit my little ass on top of the washcloth on top of the drain and it starts to fill up. So I'm using the shampoo bottle as a boat and I'm having a good time. Well, about 45 minute passes by and I have no concept of time at three and a half years old, but my dad does. So he starts walking in the master bedroom where the shower was at. Walks across the carpet that he just put in, and it's squishing, man. He opens oh, the shower, no. the bathroom door, and water just floods out. He picked me up by one arm and whooped my ass. So after that point, I refuse to use washcloths. So good. So 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 you you just do like soap on body? Soap on body, straight up, man. No loofah, no washcloth. I mean, I, I do have to use one of those, you know, back scrubber kind of things to put the soap on that because yeah. I can't reach my whole back. Yeah. And, you know, and I'm not a degenerate, but so I want to, <laughs> like, wash my back. So, you know, that's, that's the only tool in the shower that I use is the back, you know, washer, scrubber, whatever you call those. Yeah, see, I don't use a washcloth either. I think the, the, the poster here was quite succinct. And, you know, we have two white people here. Both do not use it. I go straight soap to body. Yeah. Straight soap to ass. Yeah. Straight soap to ass crack. Because here's the thing. Even if somebody else comes and uses that bar of soap, it's soap. It's already clean. Yeah. Just make sure you get the hairs off. 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's. I mean, that's that's the tough part. But you know, I'm not that her suit of a man, so it's fine. But yeah, I just do straight soap, and I learned this because my mom was a washcloth user, and but she was from a multi-ethnic neighborhood. Okay. So maybe the washcloth filtered into her house unknowingly. But my dad was from West Virginia. When I'd shower at his place, I looked for the washcloth once, didn't find one, just went straight, you know, uh, raw dog with the soap right on my body. And I thought, oh, this is a good way to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, and now the great thing is because I'm bald, soap on the head, too. So no shampoo. A little bit. I, I, I get that dollar bottle of white rain. <laughs> because what am I going to spend $8 on shampoo with my, like, what was it? Your hair's going to fall out. You know, it, do, it doesn't matter. So are you a bar soap or I hate the body wash? I'm not a body wash kind of guy. It's too no, frilly it's for me. It's a film. It's a film. Yeah, I, I'm straight bar soap. I was dating a girl. She goes, I'm going to take a shower. I said, not a problem. Go in there. She comes out butt naked in my room and oh. goes, which was awesome. So oh, I can't oh, complain. Wait, wait, wait. Walks out and goes, where's the body wash? I'm like, I have a bar of soap in there. She goes, who uses a bar of soap? I said, obviously me. And she was just so dumbfounded that I used a bar of soap. Like it was the most ancient barbaric way to mm. clean yourself. Like I was down in a crick using <laughs> sand to wash my private parts to clean myself up for the next long dusty trail. Like it was so insane. Like the bar of soap was so offensive and that she couldn't believe somebody still used bar soap. Well, it was also a key off that there hadn't been a woman in that shower for a minute. That, that nobody left their, 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 their stuff over there. Oh, no, you pack and take it with you, man. Like, I used to have a collection of barrettes. In my bathroom, because it was like all the girls I dated, whatever, would have barrettes, and they'd leave them. So I just left a little thing of barrettes. That's a whole other topic on why they were leaving barrettes in your bathroom. I mean, they're all of age. It was, just, okay. it was a raver thing. Okay, a, okay. So I did not, I did line dancing. I didn't do the raver thing. Yeah, so, okay, so this is, this is one that really hit close to home with me, because I've actually had friends that aren't white discuss this with me, and I had to try to explain it to them. And uh, I'll start this one off, but... What does that fake smile mean when y'all walk past a black person and make eye contact? You know, the kind of half half smile. And here's here's the thing that we we don't give that smile just to black people. We give it to everyone. If you know, as a white man, if I'm walking down the street and I'm walking my dog and I see someone coming at me, I make little quick eye contact and I give a half smile. Just half, not a full smile. And what it what it basically means is. I'm embarrassed for the both of us that we have to be here at the same time and acknowledge each other. I, I, I think that's what it means. Because my friend Alex, who's one of my closest friends, she is Hispanic, and she just moved to Burbank, California, which she moved from Long Beach to Burbank, so she's around lots of white people. Mm -hmm. And she's like, dude, what's up with the condescending-ass white bitches in my neighborhood that give me this half-fake-ass smile? I go, no, 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 it's not a fake. We do that to each other. Yeah. I, 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 I would agree. Yeah. I, I think part of it is you give that half crooked ass smile just so people don't know. Like, are you crazy or yeah, are you friendly? Yeah, yeah. And where do you fall on that spectrum? I know you have to acknowledge me. I have to acknowledge you. And then we're just going to walk past each other. I could I'm rob you as you walk by. You don't know. Yeah. Or I could just go on my merry way. That's right. Well, <laughs> and as white folk, we go on our merry way. It's, it's our inner Robin Hood. It's the English. But yeah, no, I, I was explaining. She was like, no, she goes, oh, it's not like, you're not like being a dick. I was like, no, we're just kind of dicks. And like, that's, you know. It's a Southern California lifestyle too. Yeah. Like living in Southern California, you don't really acknowledge people. Right. 
I go to other states. I go to Nashville every year because I'm a redneck. So I go out there and people will say hello to you, like hold the door open, have a conversation with you, and they don't even know you. They Their phones go in their pockets. They sit at a bar. They're just wanting to talk to everybody and get to know everybody out here. You get that crooked smile. You get no human communication whatsoever other That's than right. that crooked smile and to look down at the ground or stare at your phone so people don't acknowledge you or you don't have to acknowledge them. Yeah, you know, it's I, I, it's, it's almost a refer, what I call reverse politeness. I don't want you to be uncomfortable. I don't want me to be uncomfortable. We're just going to get past each other. But we acknowledge each other. Why don't we hear y'all talk about y'all cousins? I have five, man, in total on both sides of my family. Yeah. I have one male, four female cousins. What the hell am I going to talk to them about? I think we just don't really acknowledge our family. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, you know, it's kind of how it is. Like, I, 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 I don't really have cousins. I kind of have, like, illegitimate cousins from my dad's side of the family. I don't think that we don't reach out to each other. It's just we keep to a small family, you know. It's, you know, I don't know what it is. I just, I don't think, I think we just don't consider them family. Uh, I, I never... Like, I have Hispanic friends that they'll come over and then they'll just randomly bring a cousin I don't know. It's like, oh, it's my cousin. But I would never, like, go to, like, somebody's house and be like, oh, just randomly this is my cousin. I brought him over. I mean, you could just go pick up some homeless degenerate white guy outside a liquor store and they wouldn't know the difference. Yeah, it's Todd's cousin. (laughs) Why do you let your dogs kiss you on the mouth? Okay. Because I love them more than my cousin. (laughs) That's not funny, man. I'm a redneck. I love my cousin. I'm kidding. Oh, but you, wait, wait, why do you kiss your cousins on the mouth? Should be the next question. No, honestly, like I don't get the whole thing. Like I love animals, and I just don't get the whole let my dog lick my face, kiss me in the face, sleep in the bed. Like I've had dogs my whole life. They stay outside. I'm like the weird white person that keeps their pets outside. Like I have a fish tank. If I keep my fish outside, like just let them chill on the lawn, spray some water <laughs> on them every once in a while, and go. You're good outside. I, I'd be cool with it. I don't get the whole. You know, kiss my dogs. My dogs are my kids. I never understood that philosophy. No, my dogs sleep in my bed. Uh, I, I would kiss my dogs on the mouth often if it wasn't a hazardous situation. My dog Murray had his muzzle on when he came over because he bites. But no, I, I am uh, overly affectionate with my dogs. I sit, I, I, I spoon with my dog Scout, who's at, he's like he's he's a fat pig. He's he's a hefty dog, and I sit and we spoon at night. And my son. Has never slept in my bed ever. He's nearly four years old. My dogs sleep right on top of me every night. I don't know what it is. You have a problem. Why do y'all wear shorts in the wintertime? Jason, I'm looking at you. Guilty. 100%. When we were talking about this, like, this is 100% me. I, will, I went to Denver, Colorado to go see a uh, Broncos Raider game with a buddy of mine. And I brought shorts and one pair of pants. It was 23 degrees and it was snowing like the week after Christmas. And I was walking around in shorts, but I did bring a sweatshirt and a beanie. So I was kind of, you know, I was good. I don't know what it is about white people. Maybe their legs just don't get cold like mine don't. Uh, I, I would live in shorts I 24-7 if I could. No, here's what I think it is amongst white people. You don't want to admit you're cold. I think that's the thing. I think, I, I think the thing is like... White folk, like, it's, it's all about, like, embracing a certain amount of danger, right? It's like, oh, I'm just going to go, like, you'll see guys, like, at a Packer game, the ultimate Packer. white people, and they sit out there, and they'll, they'll take their shirt off and everything. They're like, mm-hmm. I'm not cold. I can live through this cold. You never see a brother doing that. No. No, brother's like, it's cold. I want to be warm. I'm not going to put my, see, I think, I think I may be generalizing, so please, our, our African-American listeners let me know. But I feel like black people are like, I don't want to be in any extra danger. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I see those white people all the time that are out there with their the team name written across their chest in 12-degree weather. It makes no sense to me. Like, I don't get cold very easy. I live in shorts. I hate pants. But there, there's a certain limit to what I'll tolerate as far as, like, the cold. And I, I do. If I go to Denver, I did bring one pair of pants. It went against my religious beliefs, but <laughs> I did bring a pair of pants. Yeah, no, I've been to many a Raider game in my life where there's a certain a high percentage of African-American people in the audience. Never once have I seen five black guys standing with Raiders written across their chest in silver. I've never seen it. I've never seen a, a necessarily in shorts. Mm-hmm. Never. But I've seen Whitey. Now, the thing is, I'll do the unnecessary shorts because I've, I've now got to that point where I'm the, I don't give an F, and I'll wear board shorts all the time because you don't even have to wear underwear with board shorts because no. they have the netting in there. Yeah. So you're, you're, you're able to free ball it without being gross. Yeah, but do you go shopping that way? Like, do, Will you run to yes. like, the grocery store to pick up your Bud Light Platinums, which should be an official sponsor of the Far Out Podcast? Yes. But I don't – dude, you know the only time I go to a grocery store with board shorts on is like when I'm at Lake Havasu. Like when I'm at the river and I stop at one of those stores and spend $18 for a tall boy just because that's what they can charge and you're going to pay for it anyways. Yeah. But board shorts, man. No, I'll do, uh, you know, because I work from home, so sometimes I'll have the same pair of board shorts on. You could sleep in them. True. You wake up in them, take the kid to daycare in them. I can sit and work in them, right? And so sometimes I'll not know it, and I'll be like, when did I put these on? You could actually just live in board shorts. It's, it's nature's perfect clothing. Todd, you're in board shorts now, so I'm kind of worried about when you put those funky drawers on. I mean, I live in Nike shorts, like my basketball shorts. I, I could go to work in those if they would allow me to. I yeah. used to work from home as well for a while, and four days a week, I was in nothing but Nike board sh- or Nike basketball shorts. They're the most comfortable thing. And I take a shirt. I don't like tank tops. I buy a perfectly good T-shirt, and I grab a pair of scissors, and I cut the sleeves off. <laughs> I, I am the Orange County version of Larry the freaking cable guy. Who invented that goddamn green bean casserole? Why would you ask that question? That is the most delicious oh. side dish ever oh. created. And I'm glad you asked that, Todd Perry, because I actually did a little show research on this. Oh, nice. I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right. It's spelled D-O-R-C-A-S. I would assume it's Dorcas. I mean, <laughs> okay. I mean, it, I guess that's how you pronounce it. Dorcas Riley. She was uh, in New Jersey. She actually worked for the Campbell's Soup Factory in the test kitchen as a supervisor mm. in the 1950s. Well, you know, I have... A lot of great things to say about Campbell Soup. And I, you're, you're a big soup guy. But uh, I, we used to have green bean casserole every year for Thanksgiving. It was a staple in our household. In the Daniels household, that's every Thanksgiving it was prime rib because my dad won't eat chicken or turkey. Yeah. And then the green bean casserole. We had every side fixing you can imagine. Fixing. Yeah, fixing. See, the rednecks coming out of me. Yeah. Too many Miller Lights. So we had all the fixings that you would have with a traditional Thanksgiving dinner, including the green bean casserole. And my stepmom finally decided one year that that wasn't healthy enough for us. So she went with regular green beans, like boiled, blanched, whatever you call it, with a little bit of butter and garlic on it, and she served those instead of the green bean casserole. See, I prefer that. I'm, I'm, I'm with her on that. I love green beans. But damn it, it's Thanksgiving. I want my gelatinous green bean casserole with those oversalted, quote unquote, I'm doing air quotes, onions on top yes. with the Campbell's condensed cream of mushroom soup. Like that to me, it's not Thanksgiving without it. No, that's just, that, that to me is just slop. Like I, I like a regular green bean. I'm fine with regular green beans. I eat them all the time. But the, the casserole has always been something I wondered too. I, 
you know, there's been many moments when, when I question my own race. Okay. I've had a lot of moments. That was one of them. Whenever, because my mom brings it every time, and I don't, but it's gone at the end of the day. Like everybody eats it, it goes, nobody questions it. And there's vegetables in there, man. It's two vegetables, mushrooms and green beans. No, it's, it's disgusting. It's, I, I think, um, the TV show Orange is the New Black, the main character once said about prison food. She goes, this is all slop, no crunch. <laughs> well, and, see, green bean casserole is slop plus the crunch. But the, the, the crunch gets just eaten away. It just gets absorbed in that gelatinous thing. It, it goes away. It's the illusion of crunch, you know. And, but then also the entire half the, the goddamn Thanksgiving meal is all slop, right? It, there's, it's, most of it is slop. Yeah. The only crunch you get is. If somebody overcooks the turkey. <laughs> Oh, seriously, yeah, that's, that's about it. So it's, it's an unwelcome dish in my home, I will say this. I'm not going to say this to anybody's face when they come over because I'm white, and it's not a cousin bringing it because I'm white. Yeah. But, you know, the, the friend of the family that brings it, it's like, oh, really? I am and then, showing it, it even here. gets worse when they, they slice that green bean down, and there's real thin green beans in there. No, it's oh, awful, it's junk, it's bad for you. You're coming from the guy that loves him some Sizzler buffet, and you're talking like... Yes. Thanksgiving dinner is the equivalent of eating at like just four ninety nine like hometown buffet where you just pile up crap on top of your plate, mix it all together, and then you just pay for it about an hour later. Yes, well, you know, I, I will say this: we're going to end on this, and we have a mutual friend that uh, we would go to Sizzler quite often, and this is one of the greatest things. Like, you know, you go you go to Sizzler and you've got you've got the salad bar, and then you've got that taco bar area. We've got like the taco shells, you got the beef. Uh, there'll be some like spaghetti over there. There'll be be a bunch of random stuff. I have a friend, uh, a mutual friend, that would look at it, and he didn't like being at Sizzler. No, wasn't happy about it. Nope. But what he did was he foodied up the Sizzler in weird ways I never expected. He went over. This was honestly one of the greatest strokes of genius I ever saw. He went over to the imitation crab meat that they have for your salad at the salad bar, and he put it in the taco shell. Oh yeah. And he made imitation crab seafood tacos at the scissor. And I was almost like, whoa, like, mic drop, drop my plate. Mind blown. Yeah, no, 100%. He uh, it, it was he would complain every time we decided to go to the sizzler. But he would join us when we went to the sizzler. And then he would make these. He would probably eat the worst out of anybody yes. when we went to the sizzler. He would take anything, including, like, soft serve ice cream, put it in a taco shell and said, I created something different. Yeah. And I'm, I was like, you've got a blog you should make. Yeah. You'd make millions of dollars off like the gourmet Sizzler buffet. So I'd like to thank everybody for listening to the Far Out podcast on our uh, inaugural new reboot. I don't know what the heck this is. Far Out the Next Generation. My name is Todd Perry. With me is the great Jason Daniels. Thank you for having me, Todd. Satchmo's lullaby 